Today's Survivor Exit Interview Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use offer code RHAP2. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino here with our first exit interview podcast of Survivor Cook-I-In. And we have a lot to do today because it was a two-hour premiere of Survivor last night. And it, it delivered. It delivered. It was very, very good. Very good. And so we have not one, but two people, two brains that we're going to talk to this morning. Two quote-unquote brains will be with us here on the Exit Interview Podcast. So it's going to be a good one here today. So you're locked in. This is going to be a very fun half hour or so here on Rob Has a Podcast. So last night... We had our big first Survivor Know-It-Alls episode of the new season when I spoke with Stephen Fishback, and we did everything to break down the episode and took a lot of your tweets and questions live on the show. That's on robhasawebsite.com. Then later on today, I'm going to have a long talk with my good friend Adis Bushkowskis, and he is the second or the runner-up for Mr. Survivor, and he will be joining us here uh, live at my house in a couple of hours from now. And what I want to do is make sure we get your voicemails and questions in for Otis. So if you've got voicemails, he's going to stick around and do the voicemails with us too. So get those phone calls in, 323-282-RHAP, or even better, go to robhasawebsite.com slash voicemail. Okay, so we've got a big, big day here on Rob Has a Podcast Thanks for spending your time with me today. I really appreciate the support. And so let's go ahead, and I have David on the line first, and let's go ahead and patch in David. David, are you there? Hello there. David, good morning. It is a great pleasure to talk to you. I wish we were talking to you a few more weeks down the road. So do I, but it's good to talk to you, too. <laughs> all right. Well, David, we were all very excited to see you on there. I'm a big uh, baseball fan. I'm a, a Mets fan, personally. So even though I, I would, didn't hold anything against you that you were a Marlins fan, I thought you were going to be very fun on the show. Uh, <laughs> so I want to know, going back to that, the opening of the episode, do you feel like that that was what did you win, the way that it was handled, where you selected Garrett to be the weakest player to go uh, to the camp first? I think I was in a tough position from the minute I got out of the helicopter. The minute I looked around and saw what was happening, even before Jeff said what the season was about, it looked off to me. Something looked off that Alexis Morgan and uh, Jeff were on the same tribe with Jeremiah and LJ, and that Tony and Cliff were on the same tribe with Sarah, uh, who's this amazingly strong-looking, awesome woman. It just seemed strange to me. And then I see Jatia's shirt that says, I love nerds. And I was hoping that that was because she was a candy freak. Uh, I certainly did not think she was a nuclear engineer. And uh, I'm still not sure she's a nuclear engineer. But that said, uh, I think from minute one, there was a problem. And I noticed very quickly that I was uh, wearing a blazer, that I, that I was the older uh, male on a brains tribe. And then they voted me as the leader. And uh, it was beginning to add up. Yeah. Ideally, you never want to be the leader on Survivor, at least not in a public way. No, and there was nothing. I My plan from the beginning was to try to lead behind the scenes without people knowing I was doing it. And it just it became impossible early. So I went the other way. And the strategic decision I made, which obviously didn't work because we're talking here today, is that I felt as though if they name me the leader because I look like a leader and then I act like a bumbling fool, 
that they would see right through that, and that would hurt me even more. So I went the extreme other way, where I made the quick decision. I didn't hesitate. I didn't dither. And I actually had a good reason, which I tried to explain to Gareth, uh, but he just didn't agree or he just didn't understand it. So when you say you tried to explain to him, this was back at the camp after you guys all got there? Yes. What did you say to him? I just just wanted him to know that when I chose third, that's why I chose you, Garrett, because they already chose Morgan and Trish. I knew in my mind, I knew it's so funny to say in Survivor, you know nothing. That's lesson number one. I thought in my mind, they're not voting three people out in minute one. That doesn't make sense. Garrett's wearing green along with everyone on the tribe but me. They're not trading Garrett to another tribe. So what are they doing? I figured maybe they're doing a challenge. So once Morgan and Trish are there, I'm going to put Garrett on the mat with Morgan and Trish and hope that there's some sort of challenge that he can win. If I had gone first, I would have chosen Cass, which would have been a more conventional choice and a safer choice. Uh, But choosing third, I knew I was going to go with Garrett. And I did it quickly with authority and moved on from there. So did you know after you spoke with him that you had made an enemy out of him? Uh, I knew that he, I, I did not count on him being, it's so funny you say that because I'm surrounded by baseball players all day long, all of whom look great. And some baseball players are very insecure. And it didn't occur to me that quickly on the island that Garrett would be that insecure and have that inability to adapt and understand a strategic choice like that that had to be made. And uh, I knew pretty quickly that he wasn't going to forgive and forget and understand why the decision was made. But I didn't think he'd have the power to respect my fate at all. So now, when you guys go to the Tribal Council on the first day, so you and Cass talk and you say, okay, Jatia is going to be the person who's going to be voted off. Now, you seem confident that she's going to be the one who goes home. Well, who were the other votes that you guys thought you had with you on that first vote? I thought we had Spencer, Cass, Tosh, and Garrett. Frankly, Jatia should have voted for herself. I thought it would be nothing first time ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, in hindsight, I really feel like that was a, a very poor decision to get rid of you in that first vote because I feel like there, there's no way you guys would have lost that for that second challenge uh, because Jatia blew such a big lead in the puzzle. It, and, and she was talking all the time about her great puzzle acumen and all of these things. And I just kept saying to her and to myself, this is not really how you win Survivor. You, there's so many different aspects to it. And uh, she just seemed to be a fish out of water, not to use a Marlin pun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, listen, she, she went, she's the mayor of Crazy Town. What she did, there's just no excuse for it. It's a good thing I wasn't on the island when she dumped the rice. Yeah. Because it would have been on the well, could you believe that not only did she dump the rice out, that they didn't even vote her out after that? What do you mean? We're the anti-brain tribe. Of course I can. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's fair. Was that uh, portrayed fairly, you feel like, when she was telling everybody what to do with, with the camp and they made it look like that you know, everybody was at their wit's end with how bossy she was? It's exactly what she did. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen someone be so bossy without any sort of foundation of success. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you anybody question her? I know she says she's an engineer, but did anybody say, at some point say, "Wait, but have you actually built anything like this before?" Uh, not only that, 
but I actually said to her what I thought was a funny line, at least it amused me. I said, so listen, when you're building nuclear bombs or engineering nuclear physicist things, do they actually keep you warm or keep you dry? What is the exact application of your uh, background that tells you you can build a shelter? Because I don't have a background in shelter building. I stay in team hotels. So I have no idea what we're doing. So if you do, please make it work. And it didn't work at all. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about the challenge because you guys were so far off the pace with the other teams in that, in that first challenge. What did you guys do differently that the other teams did successfully? Well, what they didn't show is we, as the Brains Tribe, gave everyone a 25-minute head start. Oh. <laughs> so they just, started the, they just started the challenge. We just sat there talking and talking about our lives and our families. And then we decided to start the challenge after they were all at the puzzle. <laughs> that, Did you see that on TV, Rob? No, so I, I must have missed that part. <laughs> God almighty. We, we, we overthought everything. You know, we're six leaders. We had no followers on our tribe, all leaders. And we were, were smart in the real world with zero application to Survivor, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We tried to get the wheelbarrow. We had to get it over rocks. We picked up every rock and moved it out of the way in this amazingly OCD-like way. But other tribes were just dragging their wheelbarrow over the rocks. Yeah. We tried to get chests through these holes that didn't fit. It reminded me of those kids, kids when they play with those boxes where you put shapes into a shape hole, a circle into the circle. We tried to get a chest through a hole that it wouldn't fit. All the puzzle pieces fell out. It was such a disaster that it, it was almost funny to, to watch. It was past humiliating. It was the humor. <laughs> yeah. Um, with this Brains Tribe, you know, there's a bunch of really interesting uh, personalities. I, I'd like to know, what was your take on Spencer there in the three days that you were with him? I thought he was really young. Uh, I thought that he would be a good player to, to play with uh, because I thought that he would be smart enough to realize the timing of doing certain things. And I guess I forgot, you know, basically I have a child almost his age. I forgot that they had just have less life experience. And the problem with having less life experience and being really smart is you think you can bypass the experience that helps you grow. And he just hasn't had enough of it. And it showed. So he has a great game. But to me, there's either a winner or a loser. That's it. And there's 17 losers on Survivor. And I just don't know that any of us have what it takes. Would, could you see a parallel between uh, a guy like Spencer and maybe like a, uh, like a phenom baseball player, maybe who's 21 years old? Is that a fair parallel to make? It's a, it's a great question. <clears throat> because all of the 20-year-old phenoms have been catered to, have been the best player on the best team in any league they've played on from little league all the way through the minor leagues. But then they get to the major leagues and you realize, wow, everyone's as good as I am. So and if you don't realize that, you're not going to be, you're not going to have a good career. And Spencer always thought he was the smartest guy in the room and never gave any possible thought that anyone could work with him or be as smart as he is. So you're not prepared to call Spencer the Jose Fernandez of Survivor? <laughs> I cannot say that he's the rookie of the year. No. <laughs> I think that uh, anyone who watched that episode last night can't assign any titles of glory to any of us 
because it was simply put pathetic. David, I wonder, how did you go from being the president of a baseball team to somebody being on Survivor? How, how did you end up on the show? I always wanted to be on it. I, it actually debuted in 2000, which is the first year I was in baseball. And the minute I watched it, I said, that's something I want to do. It's different. Uh, it's totally outside my comfort zone. So it's a great life experience. With, and, I, and I sort of thrive off life experiences. But there was never a good time. The years passed. The years passed. And I said, you know what? There's never going to be a great time to disappear for 39 days. So I better just do it now. So I put in an application. And I got a call very shortly thereafter. And that started the process. And did you go play the season during the baseball season? How did that work? Yes. This was during last year's baseball season. Oh, my God. Uh, And was that almost a deal breaker for you to have to go during the baseball season? You know, baseball, for me, it's my job. It doesn't define me. I love what I do. I love the difference we make with all the charity work we do and providing entertainment to so many people through good times and bad times. But I think there's a lot more to someone's life than, than their work. And uh, I would have played any time of year because, you know, being away 39 days, it sounds like a lot. But you know what? You can, there are a lot of great benefits to getting different experiences. You get to grow as a person. And I think it'll, you know, it makes me better. Now, were you surprised that in that second vote they voted off Garrett last night? <laughs> the only thing I wasn't surprised at is he, he didn't bring his idol. I mean, because that's just, that's Garrett, right? I mean, why would it occur to him that he'd be voted out uh, when, in fact, it should have? To me, though, when you pour the rice out, that's an automatic torch snuffer. Yeah. Because we were so hungry, so thirsty. It was so stupid. It's an overplayed move. It sounds exciting to do and so cool. But it's like throwing out a bag of rice if you've got a full buffet in the other room. It's pretty good. <laughs> Throwing out a bag of rice when you have nothing but coconut shreds probably isn't a great plan. <laughs> right. Now, when you were at Ponderosa, and now here comes Garrett, were you, were you excited to see him, or uh, was it like, oh, man, i got to spend time with this guy who I don't really care for? <laughs> no, I was fine because Survivor's a game, and I played it to win. And when, when you play, either you know win big or go home, Play bigger, go home, all those great expressions. It's, it's all good. The real world where I do my job and he does his job, that, that, it's so different from Survivor. The circumstances when you're on the island are so different than when we're in our real lives. And I did not carry any grudges after the game at all. Well, David, I was very sorry to see you go last night. I feel like we got, we got robbed here because I feel like you would have been really fun to watch all season long. I feel like I did not, uh, you know what it feels like? I thought about this a lot. I feel like I was a starting pitcher who gave up three runs in the first and got pulled out of the game. Uh, well, and if you give up three runs over a full game, you can still win. And I never got a chance. Well, you know, David, this is br- bringing back bad memories for me because I'm thinking now of uh, two, the last game of uh, 2007 and Tom Glavin giving up seven runs in the bottom of the first when the Marlins were pl- knocked the Mets out of the playoffs for two years in a row, and I did not appreciate that. I was there, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I watched it unravel, and uh, that was that was something. The Mets are a great organization, and uh, 
your time is coming. All right, I hope so. All right, David, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you coming on with me, and uh, best of luck to you, and uh, best of luck this season with the Marlins. I appreciate it. Maybe see you again one day. All right, take care, David. All right, take care. Bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Marlins team president David Sampson here joining us on Rob Has a Podcast. Now, I told you at the start of the episode that this podcast was sponsored by Squarespace, uh, which is the all-in-one platform that lets you build your own website without any of the hassle. Now, some people think you need to have a nuclear engineer on board to be able to build a good-looking website, somebody that's going to just sit around and sort of just tell you where everything needs to go and then you know dump everything out into uh, the website to make it work better and tell you what to do. But that's not the case when you work with our friends at Squarespace.com. Uh, Squarespace has a number of different templates which you can use to create your own website to look and feel original and exactly what you need for your blog or small business or whatever you want to do on the web, Squarespace makes it really, really easy. They take care of all of the SEO, which is what you need to have set up to be able to have all of the search engines find whatever you're doing online. And they have incredible customer service, which is available 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Plus, the Squarespace also has plans which are starting at just $8 a month. Plus, if you use the promo code RHAP2, you could save 10% on a new account at squarespace.com. So go ahead and give it a shot. If you've been waiting to do this website or small business idea, stop waiting around. If that's what's holding you back, go ahead and get set up with a website. You can play around for free at squarespace.com. You can use a free trial. You don't need a credit card. And don't forget, you'll get 10% off when you use the promo code RHAP2 at squarespace.com. All right, so let's segue now. We have our next exit interview, the second person in this podcast and also the second person voted out of the tribe on Survivor Kagayan. We have, it is Garrett Adelstein, and he is joining us on the line here. And Garrett, are you there? Hey, Rob? Yes, Garrett, good morning. How you doing, buddy? Great to finally be talking to you, man. (laughs) Um, Well, obviously, uh, you already know, big big fan of you, big fan of your... uh, your, you know, game in one tenth in Survivor, um, and of course all the all the work you do on uh, Rob has a podcast. Oh well, Garrett, I very much appreciate that, and I do appreciate you taking some time to have a side conversation with me away from all of the other survivors. I do appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. Yes. Uh, so, boy, Garrett, I did not see this coming. I, I, it looks like you didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I clearly did not, Rob. It was, uh, it was painful. Painful to have to listen to you and uh, Stephen kind of <laughs> kind of tear me apart, justifiably, of course. Yeah, uh, you're not the first person you know, to say that. You know, last, yeah, last night, but yeah. Okay, but, so here's what I want to know. So yep. Cass is the one that she ends up switching her vote. When did that happen? Right. Did, that, did that happen like as we saw it on the show where it looked like it happened because of what you said at Tribal Council? Or do you feel like that happened back at camp and you were already a dead man walking by the time you got to Tribal Council? Right. Yeah. You know, that's something I don't know for sure. I know Cass claims uh, that it happened at Tribal, but Spencer and I both feel very confident that it happened before. Um, you know, and there's a... There's a lot to say about the way that all went down. I don't know if you want to get into the strategic nuances of it, but just the way it actually happened is certainly a lot different than, uh, you know, the way it comes across with specifically with like Cass and Tasha, like 
being upset or offended, we had an open forum. That's just has zero percent like uh, reality in terms of you know why I was actually blind. Hey, strategic nuances is what we're here to do, Garrett. So go ahead, take it away. Perfect, perfect. Let's let's do it then. So uh, the first thing is, you know, I knew in a you know six person tribe format, you know, based on all stars in Philippines, uh, that the game of course is much much different. Uh, you have to be acting much more aggressively. Um, and, uh, you know, so to be specific and actually, I mean, this is, this is right out of the Sesternino playbook 101. I knew on day one, uh, that, you know, David was going to be the first one to go when we did lose a challenge, right? Of course, I didn't know when that was going to be. Um, so thinking, you know, uh, step two, what do I want to do after that? Right. So it was very clear early on that there was an alliance of four between myself, Spencer, Jatia and Tasha, right? Um, but I also realized that if David went home and we lost another challenge and we went with sort of the, the standard play in that spot, which is just to vote cap out, well, now we're gridlocked at 2-2, right? And Jatia and Tasha were very close. And Spencer is someone that I knew I could trust in the sense that as long as our interests aligned, uh, you know, I'd be good to go, which is exactly the kind of survivor player you know, you want to be playing with. But, you know, in that gridlock tie at 2-2, I was a very serious risk to be flipped on in that spot, right? So I knew it was going to be really important very early for me to pull cast in, right? So they don't show this at all, but from day one, I made a huge effort with cast. We, you know, had an alliance starting on day one, and cast actually wasn't playing Survivor at all, like zero, until day four. And neither would David. They don't they don't show that. Mine is him like being like I'm already thinking about the last two thirds of the game, which of course is kinda of comical given like otherwise he didn't play Survivor at all. Um he just assumed like all of us would vote to tee out because, you know, we didn't like her. Um but anyway that's neither here nor there. Moving back to Cass. Cass was very close with David. Her and David sort of separated themselves from the group, you know, the entire time. Um and, you know, her and I, like I said, we're, we're very close. She had no relationship with Spencer, which is actually what I wanted. You know, I wanted to make it clear to her that she was my number one, you know, similar to Spencer. And the show also makes it seem as though it was clear to everyone that Spencer and I were like BFF, when that just also wasn't the case. You know, similar to, uh, you know, many other players, we both made a huge effort to keep our strategy discussions to an absolute minimum. And also socially, we made sure to keep you know, everything to an absolute minimum, even though he really was, you know, like obviously my number one, someone that I thought I could take very, very far into the game. Okay. Moving forward to day six here. Right. So obviously I put a ton of work in with Cass, uh, you know, Cass actually, we wake up the morning of day four and she says to me, Garrett, like, you're not going to be able to, you know, split these girls up, which I already knew. (laughs) Uh, you know, we need to work together, you know, again, which I had already planned on anyway. And so, of course, I'm just like, yeah, Cass, like, that's a great idea, right? So the three of us, you see, like, you know, on the episode, we make a final three pack. But it's obvious to both Spencer and I, and there's, you know, a clip that's not shown right after where Spencer and I go, ah, like, I'm still super, super sketchy on this woman. Like, she's so random. And you see it, right? I mean, you miss 99.9% of things that happen. But the show still went out of its way to show, um, to show Cass randomly like saying to Jatia, "Hey, like you're going home tonight," or like I'm voting for you. Two right? times, and, both, uh, both times she right, did that. And of course, right. And unlike you know the decision that I made, which 
is likely bad, uh, but still, like, it, certainly there's arguments in favor of it. Uh, like, there's just no reason for it to do that. There was absolutely nothing to gain in that spot, right? So what that showed me, along with many, many other things that weren't shown on screen, right, is that, oh, like, you know, Cass is a total wild card. She wears her emotions on her sleeve, and if she doesn't like someone, like, that's the person that's going to go home, right? So we get back from the challenge, which we lose again, which, of course, Jatia is solely responsible for. And, I mean, you can see it. Like, you know, I helped a lot to get us a huge lead in the physical part of it, which, of course, Jatia, like, melted down in pretty epic proportion, uh, you know, in the challenge. And you can see the smoke between Cass's ears. Like, she just is about to freak out. Mm -hmm. She's really upset. And, you know, so at this point, like, I want to sort of get this set in stone. You might say, why? What's the point? Why do we need to do this? Again, another thing that's not shown, a critical piece of the puzzle is Tasha. Tasha is a very good strategist, right? She also, just like Spencer and myself, knew that like we'd be gridlocked at four, and as such, her plan was to pull Cass in with her and Jatia, right? Yeah. To guarantee her spot, you know, further in the game. So to, to elaborate on that just for two seconds, right? Uh, if <laughs> we were it. able to pull in Cass and we, and we lose, then we vote out Tasha. Then we lose again. Then we vote out Cass, right? And of course, at that point, there would be some sort of tribe swap, tribe dissolve, whatever. So it at least guarantees Spencer and I a spot further in the game if we can make that happen, right? Yeah. But anyway, we knew Tasha was trying to do that exact thing. So that's where that's what really sucks about the episode is it shows Tasha like freaking out and being like, "I'm here to play like Survivor. Like, what are you doing?" Like please. She could care less about that. She was upset that she was going to be four of four, right? Mm -hmm. Like she wanted, she wanted to run the game and she even says it in her confessional, you know? So of course it's just like an easy sort of play for her and you know, give her credit. Like, I'm not saying like anything negative about Tasha. Like she played that beautifully, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, it wasn't because we were having an open forum and she wanted to have side conversations. And she didn't actually want to talk to me or Spencer, right? She wanted to talk to Cass and Jatia to turn on the two of us, which has been her plan, you know, ever since day four. Now, admittedly, she was a step behind Spencer and I, who realized on day one that this was going to be the move after we got rid of David, or if we got rid of David, right? Um, and, you know, someone who she spoke to, like, zero on the first few days, all of a sudden, you know, Tasha and Cass are like DFS. Well, let me ask um, you some, uh, some follow-up yep. questions here. So yep. in the first vote, when you guys voted out David, so you had yep. the two the two twosomes, and it was Cass who was the fifth person. She was on the outs. And so you had Tasha and Jatia and you and Spencer there, and you guys were a foursome. And I wasn't quite right. sure why you went away from that foursome because – to paraphrase uh, the great Brad Culpepper, you know, four into six equals in, but three into six, I think, equals out. And so why go why go with Cass and make a three-person alliance when you had the four-person alliance with Jatia and Tasha? Right, right, right. No, great question. I guess I didn't make that clear a minute ago. So I thought a tribe um, switch was going to be very, very likely at 14, right? And if you watched our you know, first challenge, but especially like, you know, the, both of the first two combined, it became a very real possibility that more than two people in our tribe would be voted off before this tribe swap, right? So again, to, to kind of get boring here with, uh, you know, some, some uh, detailed strategy, 
if we play these numbers out, right, David goes home first, Cass goes home second. Now there's four of us and we lose again. How, how does that happen, right? And, and that's what I was um, referencing earlier is that Spencer's someone I knew I could trust as long as our interests aligned, but there was no guarantees he wasn't going to flip on me at that point, right? Whereas if we play it the way I wanted to and Spencer wanted to, and, and that's another thing that's brutal too is it shows me like, oh, I was trying to be the mastermind at all times, like trying to lead strategy discussions. just wasn't the case. Like every time Spencer and I had a strategy talk, like I would let him like be the man and, you know, coincidentally, fortunately, whatever, you know, we had the same plan. I mean, and there's only so many permutations, so it's not like that big of a coincidence that we both thought like post-David we flip on uh, Tasha and Jatia, right? So anyway, if we were to play that out, Jatia goes home, then we lose another one, Tasha goes home, right? Uh, then we lose another one even. At that point, Cass would go home, okay. and Spence and I would be safe, right? And, and again, to be clear on that, like, you know, some of your viewers or, or listeners might be saying, well, yeah, Cass knew that. That's why she flipped on you, Gary, because she knew she was three of three. That's also just BS. Like I said, I made a huge effort to make it clear to Cass that she was number one, for in part, and then the, you know the other part of that is myself and Spencer both made a huge effort to hide you know mm-hmm. how strong our bond was. All right, so we got only about like five minutes left, so I got to go into the lightning round yep. here with you because you got yep, uh, yep, yep. so much to say, but I want to make sure we co- we cover uh, a lot of ground here. So sure. uh, the hidden immunity idol was where when you went to tribal council? Right. So it, it I dug up the hidden immunity idol. Uh, hit it, you know, before everyone got to camp, uh, and I didn't bring it, you know, it, it's really that simple. But where was it? It's buried? Uh, it, yeah, it was buried near Tree Mill. Yep. yep okay. Yep. And nobody so, else uh, knew the know, location of it? Nobody knew. Nobody knew I had an idol. Right? Okay. Uh, you know, and, and I know Stephen, uh, you know, in, in his one, uh, you know, borderline nice thing he said about my <laughs> game was, you know, that he could see the justification behind not bringing it in this outrageous scenario where you have a girl who, you know, uh, burns out her fire with water, then subsequently, like, throws away our only food source, right? This is after messing up both of the challenges and also a person that was incredibly volatile, nobody liked, and it would make no sense to continue on with her strategically, you know, except, of course, as a goat to bring to the very end, you know? So there's a real, there is a very real threat or a risk, you know, when you go and dig up the idol right before tribal, and it's always sort of iffy on like when and where you're able to do that before tribal council. Uh, you know, if you ask me, would I change it? Yes. In retrospect, the cost running, you know, the cost benefit there, like I think it's worth it to bring uh, the idol of the tribal. You know, I think as you uh, aptly put it, like that's what the idol's for. Right. Um, but you know, th- there is, there is a counter argument to it. And if there was ever a tribal uh, where, you know, you don't really feel like there's, you know, a need to put yourself in that risk of being exposed with an idol. It's hard to argue that that, that wasn't the spot, you know? Um, did you feel like that was f- fairly portrayed? Uh, Cause it was portrayed to be a big moment on the show last night of the, uh, well, if ask anybody in the Alliance, I mean group. And then the part where you said, well, you know, I think we have four people who are left. Were those two things? Did you feel like at the moment that they happened, were those faux pas or do you feel like that it was made into more on the show? Right. So one thing is like on episode one, this just reminds me like when it shows me like grinning or doing something weird, like when they're like, does anyone want to play an idol? That just didn't happen. Like that's just like 
a cut from like a different, right. you know, a different take or, or whatever. Um, but to answer your specific question, like, yes, that happened in that time order. Uh, do I think I had a miserable performance in that tribal? Yes, not even close. Okay. But with that said, the things I said were obvious. Like, yeah, when you run the clip, I look like an idiot. I would be the first one to say it. But, like, when I say the alliance of four, I mean tribe, uh, Cass knew that, right? I mean, the votes from episode one show that the four of us were a voting block at first, right? Mm-hmm. I, I told Cass that. She knew that, like, just based on the actions we all took anyway. It didn't matter, right? People are used to only seeing five people in a tribe, you know, in the second episode. But it didn't matter what Jatia thought. It didn't matter that, like, Tasha was trying to make this big thing to flip on me, right? We only need three votes. So that's what I was trying to figure out the entire time was, are we solid with Cass? And if we weren't solid with Cass, that was when I was going to use my idol, show it to her as leverage, right? But given the way it played out, you know, it, it literally couldn't have played out more in a way that, A, I felt like I didn't need to, you know, show Cass the idol to sort of help me pull her in, but B didn't even need to bring it. You know, it's, it's, it's a really crazy sequence of events. Sure. Uh, a lot of, I think, sort of negative variants for me. But, you know, you, you combine that with, you know, I think a couple mistakes that I made that are, are pretty clear. And here I am sitting talking to you 17th place. Garrett, thank you so much for coming on with me. And I really appreciate it. I hope to talk to you uh, sometime down the road. Okay, buddy? I, I would love to, Rob. Watch out for one. spiders too, okay? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I will. All right, take care, Garrett. Hey, Bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Garrett Adelstein here on Rob Has a Podcast. Garrett had so much to say. He's a very, very talkative guy. So hope to uh, hear more about what was really going on in that Brains Tribe uh, as we go down the road here on where we're all set up here. This is going to be a fun season. I really I have a good feeling about this, and I'm really having a lot of fun talking about it with you guys every week. I really felt the excitement last night. I felt that really on Twitter and in the comments that you guys are just as pumped up as I am about the new season. And that's that's really, really cool. So make sure you're locked in for all of our Survivor coverage uh, this season. You could subscribe to the podcast, either the Full Boat Rob Has a Podcast. That's all the shows that we're going to be covering. That's Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, Big Brother Canada, everything that comes up, all the other side shows that we do along the way. And then there's also the Just Survivor feed, which is only going to be the know-it-alls, the exit interviews, the recap podcast, anything else Survivor-related that I do. And what I've done is I've added these buttons both of these to the top of all of the survivor posts so you can click either one of these and you could either subscribe in itunes or i've also made it easier for you guys to leave us feedback and star ratings which really really help people find the podcast so we always appreciate it when you give us your ratings and feedback on itunes no pressure whatever you want to say we just appreciate you giving them to us as you listen to the show so thank you guys so much really excited to speak with Otis today so plenty more survivor podcasts coming along and so have a great day everybody and i love hearing from you guys tell us what you thought in the comments we'll talk to you again soon bye